sorry, you can sit there and look and play with all your silly machines as much as you Shots. like. What a stop! Shots from Ben! Oh! Oh! Jordan Ben! Yes! Jordan Ben! I mean, that sort of stuff, we're, it, it's been... We're, be, we're bigger than that. That interview is just like the performance, flat. No. What, what do you want him to do? Just fall at Gabriel's feet crying? I mean, well, he's... Say something... We, we were doing what we'd done for 20 years, relaxing a nervous studio guest in the same way that you would in, in these conditions, um, and thought no more of it. Fire it up, fire it up, when we finally yes, it is the Friday Football Podcast. It's supposed to be the Kevin Caban Friday Football Podcast, but it's just myself, Dave McIntyre in studio. Killer is with us, Kev, but you're back home in Manchester and you are on Skype. Yes, I am. I'm on Skype, Dave. Yeah, I wanted to. I wanted to present. I wanted to do it the way I would normally go about it. But you guys were on half days yesterday, so you couldn't join me for the for the regular podcast. You and Nathan. Yeah, we kind of were. It it's been like one of those weeks. On it does feel like I'm cheating on Nathan a bit here with you, Dave. I've got to say that. Well, I have been part of this podcast in the past. It's not yeah. my debut, but um, when you guys do take the time to actually put it together, yes, it is normally yourself and Nathan. He's got domestic issues today. We won't go into them, but he was unable to make it in, so our listeners are just going to have to deal without him. Busy yeah. times, Kev. Tell me about what this was like as a player coming into the schedule that these guys are facing into where you could easily play five or six games in the space of 18 days. Yeah, um... But do you know, I used to, I, I didn't actually enjoy it, Dave. I did. I used to enjoy Christmas time. It was, it was, you, you were having irregular hours probably from training sort of side of it because you might have been maybe trying to get as much rest as possible. So kind of, if you have a game on a Saturday, say, you, you might have been on a Sunday afternoon and then you might have been maybe basically back for a normal full day's training on, on a Monday, say, before you went straight into the game on a Tuesday or something like that. You, you, you just didn't get any time off, which... There's no problem. Most most of the players were, were more than used to that one. I think the most difficult thing was when maybe when you were 16, 17, when you when you were first getting into the game because you're used to having that Christmas time at home. Basically, everything went quiet. And once you get through the first couple of years, when you when you know when you're a YTS as it was for me as, as at Preston and then turned pro, you kind of get used to it and you, it just becomes like normal life. So Christmas doesn't have the same effect as it does for everyone. You can't really enjoy it. And you've got to try and maybe enjoy it through the eyes of your kids and things like that. That's the only thing you can do. It's, it, it is a strange time, but it's one of those where you're just kind of playing and getting through games and, and training sessions. It must be good crack, though, is it? In that it significantly lowers the ratio of training sessions to games. And, and that's what players want. They want to play matches. Nobody really likes training. And even the most dedicated trainers, they still want to be out there playing a game of football. Yeah, you do. I did enjoy training though, you, because you're still doing in training. You're still doing things that you you enjoy. You know, you enjoy that competitiveness every single day. I I did, and most most players would tell you even now. I'm sure that they do enjoy training, being around the lads and being around the training ground. But when you've got that game, I think it, I just think the only thing about it is just giving you that less time to focus on. That you, you know as well as I do, Dave. When we, we we play ourselves on a Wednesday. Your legs are sore the day after. No matter what level you're playing at now, even when I'm playing, you, you get I'm probably even more sore and more stiff afterwards now because I'm not playing as much. But the, the following day after again, lads are knackered. You know, getting out of bed is a, is a, is a stiff. You're aching, but then you've got to basically be having full training sessions instead of having your recovery days. You, you you're going into training sessions, and the following day at times, if you have like Liverpool will probably have and Man City have towards the the end of this year into the new year, two games in less than 48 hours. Your body's not fully recovered in that 48 hours, so you're going into a game when your legs are slightly sore, slightly stiff, 
And that's where I feel as though the, the most goals we'll probably see over the new year during that period because more mistakes will be made because the lads are not, are not prepared fully or physically right for the game. Do managers dial in even more so in the build-up to this period? Because it, it can actually have such a defining effect on your season, can't it? If you're near the bottom of the table, suddenly a good run in such a short space of time, you could end up mid-table by, the, by the, the time the FA Cup third round comes along. You could easily cost yourself a tilt at the title by going badly over the next four weeks. Totally, totally, Dave. That, that's the way it is. The, the top and the bottom, that, it affects managers in different ways through this period. And, I mean, to go there, you, most managers now have the luxury of, of, of a bigger squad, so they can rotate a little bit. But by and large, you want to use the players that's in form. And the players want to play. You say before, you want to play games. So if a manager is telling you that you rested, i.e. you dropped, it's not great to hear. So they want, they want to be out there playing. And, you know, if, if you've lost a game and, again, you're a little bit tired, you're a little bit knackered, you play against a side that's perhaps won a game, they're coming into the game just on that bit of a high just from winning the match. And there's more pressure on the side then that, have lo- that has lost that game because you have to, as you say, whether you're at the top or the bottom, you can't fall too far behind if you're at the bottom and you're struggling to get the wins. Or if you're at the top and you start to fall away, all of a sudden you can lose ground quite quickly on, on the, the teams that's racing for the league. So it, it, does, have, it does have an effect. It, it does have a big effect this period. And you, even going into the new year then, even for the FA Cup that starts in January, you're desperate then, I think, to get through it probably unscathed not dropping too many points, try to get through it where you, you're in touch or with whatever whatever level that you're playing at and you want it to be you want it to be fully focused going forward and that's that's the only thing you can do. You can't change you can't change the way that your body's gonna feel because you're gonna be knackered. You just gotta try and prepare yourself as best you can. So speaking of sides that have fallen behind, Manchester United were in action last night. Donna, did you have a chance to watch them? Job done. They've got into the last knockout stages of the Europa League, but probably the for me the most significant aspect of the game in Ukraine was Mikatarin finally scoring. Yeah. It was a really brilliant individual solo effort, and the words real effusive praise and encouragement from Mourinho for Mikatarin afterwards, talking about how incredibly strong he was mentally and how he's now starting to show why Manchester United paid all that money and how he's a much happier person within mm. himself as well. Yeah, well, I, you were covering the game. I actually missed you, Dave. Some might say that was a good thing. I don't know, but many, many um, might say that. Many might say that. Yeah, many might say. That. Not me, of course. You know, I do. I do believe you, you're one of the best in the business, Dave. You know that. But uh, I think Mkhitaryan. The Mkhitaryan issue is is there for Salty. We, we've been saying it all season, Dave, haven't we? Really, why isn't he starting? Why isn't he playing? And why isn't he giving a run of games? He's, I think you judged him far too harshly on that on that Man City game. When you, we know, you know as well as I do, United one to eleven were hopeless, weren't they? they? They were so poor, particularly in that first half. Mkhitaryan gets dragged, and he doesn't get he doesn't get back in the side then for a couple of months after. We've seen the goal. I mean, I, you asked me, I didn't really watch a lot of the game because I watched the Dundalk game before we went on air last night, and then I didn't really get the chance to see too much. I saw a bit of the Southampton game, so I didn't get to see uh, the United game, but I saw the goals and the Mkhitaryan goal, Dave. It, it's up there with the very best, isn't it? It, it shows the ability that he's got. It's something that we've all stressed as well. He can beat players. He can he can pick passes out. He's quick. He's got he has all the attributes to be a real dynamic, you know, real popular player at Old Trafford and a player that that's maybe a key player going forward for them. It, it's baffling why he's not been given more game time. But the nutmeg was I think, beautiful, wasn't it? Yeah, that, that's right up your street. That oh you, yeah, you gotta love that. that. You gotta love that. It's the it worst thing that happens to you when you are the victim of it. But when you manage to come out the other end and stick it through somebody else's legs, it's pretty special. It's what it, it was part of a Manchester United performance that kind of stuttered. Paul Pogba seemed to be trying to do everything himself. He, 
think first 20 minutes he took on three long range efforts and well outside 30 yards which he'd no real right to be doing but another thing that I saw Kevin and it kind of brought home again why Wayne Rooney is not in this team his lack of pace is frightening and I put it on Twitter last night and a lot of people said I was judging him harshly and that maybe it's just that he started so early and maybe hit his peak so early that it's no surprise but he actually has no ability to get beyond the defender he can't chase anything down and unless the weight on a through ball is absolutely perfect for him, he simply won't get on the end of it. And on last night's performance against the third best team in the Ukrainian Premier League, you could see why he will not be playing from the start very often in the Premier mm. League for the rest of this season. Well, it's, it's not like you to judge someone so harshly, Dave, is it? You know, but um, well, it's not like it's a one-game judgment. We're we're judging well, you know, Rooney now we, over. We've said that we, we, we you know, I, I think sometimes a lot of people jump on you when you. When you you do mention Rooney, I think the criticism of Rooney's not been of in the last two months, three months. It's been over the last couple of years, hasn't it? And the decline has been there. You know, he's he still got bits. He's still got quality. We saw that the other week in the is it the Fenerbahce game? I think it was the other week, setting goals up, creating goals. He he can still do that, but yeah, it was he the, the final game. Yeah, he was excellent. Final game. game. Yeah. It was a final game. Sorry, you're right. Uh, but you, I, I think that, Dave, I think he doesn't have that dynamic pace that he had, that real power, that aggression to get by people and use his brute strength, turn a pace over the first few yards. I think he has lost that. And I, the, the only way you can you can, you can can judge, or the only way you can actually quantify it from what you're saying there earlier on, it's the, it's the game times, the game time he's had throughout his career, the early start in a career, starting so early and... I do think it does catch up with you. It does, no matter what it is. You know, he he was he was almost a man when he was fourteen, fifteen. But you played you know, with him when he broke into that Everton team. Um, his physicality aside, and as you say, he was a, he was a grown man in his mid-teens. How quick yeah. was he? How, oh, like, was he was it? Quick, did he have powerful. blinding pace? Very, very quick off the mark. He, he was that one where he used to, he, but he get his yard with the power that he had. I mean, you only need to look at that goal that he scored at the Emirates a few years ago. Do you remember the one where Ronaldo set him? It was probably about five years Yeah, five, where he pretty much ago. sprinted from the edge of his own area. Yeah, and yeah. you could see the pace that he had that day. So so he, he did, I wouldn't say he was, you know, a Michael Owen pace-wise. I wouldn't say he was Ronaldo or whoever, Cristiano Ronaldo. You know, he didn't have blinding pace, but he was he was quick. He was He was very quick and he could get away from people. So that was evident from that. But now you're right, though. I, I I've seen that myself, Dave. I don't see him being able to get away from players when he gets in one-on-one positions. Where invariably it go at defenders three or four years ago. Now I think he's reluctant to do it himself. Maybe he's lost that edge. He's lost that little bit of confidence in his in his ability to beat players as well. There's a number of factors within that that, that can that can creep into him, and he's certainly struggling from that sort of aspect. Yeah. And I guess that means he can't play up front, which leaves those positions in behind the. In the central striker, which last night was Ibrahimovic, and yeah. he's probably not as good a ten as a Mata or a Mkhitaryan. So you just wonder his opportunities were going to be very limited. The reason I wanted yeah, to start with United is because a they played last night, but b we have them live and off the ball on Sunday afternoon. Three games Sunday afternoon we're bringing live to our listeners. Chelsea West Brom kick things off at midday. <laughs> Bernard O'Toole is going to be alongside Stephen Kenny, the Dundalk manager, who makes his co-commentary debut with us on Sunday. Then I'm going to be at Old Trafford with Andy Reid from Manchester United, Tottenham. And then Liverpool take on West Ham United at half four. That's Nathan alongside Pat Nevin. So uh, we don't quite have you on board, but as that aside, it's a blockbuster afternoon. So they have yeah. to take on Tottenham. Their record post-Europa League group games this season is not good, but you could also say the same about Tottenham after playing in the Champions League. And for both of these teams, Kevin, I mean, they're, United are 
pretty much out of the title race. Is that fair to say? 13 behind? Like, would you yeah. say they have zero chance of winning the championship? Yeah, I would say so. There's, there's too much There's too much that's got to happen ahead of them, Dave, isn't there? You know, they've all got to drop points. United have got to go on an incredible run, win virtually every game now to the end of the season. I think there's too much that's got to happen for United. I think it's too much probably they've got to happen for United to get a top four place now. Well, that's Dave. it, yeah. So if they're out of the title race, that's a 13-point differential. You have to go back to nine points for them to catch up at Manchester yeah. City. And nine points is a massive ask. As you say, it means they pretty much have to, pretty much have to win every game. They, well, they've got to get to the... If, if they are going to get a top four spot, they've got to get to the new year. And as we spoke about earlier on, gain points when sides are a little bit tired. They've got to basically probably win every game through the new year period. So it gives them a bit of leeway into the new year that they can actually afford to drop points somewhere along the line. But I, I think they're out of it, Dave. I can't see them... I can't see all the other sides dropping that many points for them to get, them, get themselves in there. So realistically, this season, it's... Europa League for them to, to get into the Champions League. That's the only way I can see them playing Champions League football next season. And do you think the mentality of Jose Mourinho will have switched in that direction? Is he talking to his players now about those League Cup semi-final ties and the Europa League knockout stages? If they were to come through the season having won that and maybe got to a Wembley final, I mean, that is a, a pretty good start to Jose Mourinho's Manchester United career. As tough a competition, yeah. though, as the Europa League is to win, you only have to go through the other 31 sides that United are up against, seven or eight of them are bona fide Champions League-type teams. Yeah, that's that's the thing, isn't it? You know, they've got we we were over in Basel, weren't we, watching Liverpool and uh, Sevilla last uh, last summer, and we we recognised there what it meant to Liverpool supporters in a in a European final. Didn't quite get over the line that day, but we we know that. It can mean a lot. We were, we were talking at that time, weren't we? What a season it would be for Jurgen Klopp that he's in at the club now. He's he's now taking a team to a European final. What would it mean if he won it? Didn't quite happen. So we, we'll be t- we're talking in the same terms about Mourinho, aren't we? If Mourinho does win a trophy this season, then it is a very satisfactory first season. And I think out of all the cup, cup competitions, that is, of course, the most lucrative one. That's the one that he'll want. He'll want that, that Europa League one because of, of what it means for, for the for the club going forward. You, you expect Man United to be in the Champions League, don't you? So, if they can't do it in the league, then that's the only way they're going to do it now. And do you know what, though, Dave? I mean, we've said it, we've hopped on about it. They're actually playing all right. Last week, I don't think it was a great performance against Everton, but by and large, Man United are actually playing quite well. And I think they have been a little bit unlucky over the last month or two. Is there a worry, though? I mean, obviously, Jose Mourinho will be happy enough that they're creating all the chances that they did against Burnley, Stoke, Arsenal, Everton, West Ham... Really, they could have picked up 15 points from those games. Instead, they've picked up five. And that's the reason they're 13 off Chelsea and they're nine off Manchester City. But is there not a fear that you you won't always play that well? And if they can't win the games when they're actually playing well, they're unlikely to win any games where they play below par. Yeah, I'd I'd probably go along with that. That that is is a worry for them. I, I would say that's spot on. If if they can't quite get over the line. And it was even at the weekend. The one thing I'd say at the weekend, they were they were probably the better side against Everton in the first half. Probably deserved to go in front. If everyone if anyone deserved to go in front, it would have been United. They were the better side. Then they went in front and it's it's what Mourinho did around being in front. Changed the system, changed and brought Mario Fellaini on, trying to see the game through. You know, it's the United sides that we've probably seen in the past, we've seen the United sides go on and dominate, get the second goal, go on and get the third goal. And I mean, maybe down to Ronald Koeman a little bit, that he changed his system a bit and it, and it, it kind of nullified United's effect, threat, should I say. But 
that's the that's the thing that I'd be looking at, Dave. Here, seems like is he going to go on now and get a second goal in games when when and go and kill a side off, which he's not been able to do. You look at the West Ham game, the Stoke game, all these matches that they've had dropping points. They've not been able to get the second goal to kill the sides off, and they found a way to get back at United because they are vulnerable defensively. Yeah, they've led by more than one goal in just one of their last eight Premier League games, and that is what's killed them. That's why they constantly end up with these one-one draws. Good what about Tottenham? Day. Yeah, I just pulled it out of the top of my head. There, just you know, yeah. not everything has to be written down. Although ninety-nine percent of my stuff needs to be written down. <laughs> They're live against Tottenham at two fifteen on off the ball on Sunday afternoon. Where are Tottenham right now? They yeah, unfortunately yeah. find themselves back in the Europa League, which is not where they wanted. I'm sure they would have preferred to finish bottom of their Champions League group. Is that fair? Uh, well, you maybe look at you, you look at Southampton. I suppose Southampton going out of Europe that might that might aid them. I think. Do you know what it would be, Dave? You're looking at them, and I think with Tottenham, realistically, is is the Europa League probably the level at the moment? I, I'd, I'd probably say that because. They they're probably you know the top four, top five in the Premier League. That's where they are. They're not guaranteed a Champions League spot from from finishing the top four. I don't think. I don't think they they're consistently at that level. They certainly haven't been at that level this season. Europa League again, as you said about Man United, probably it might be a good one for them to actually have a good crack at. Go and try and win it because they don't want to get relegated. If they win it, of course, you know that we know what happens then. I just don't think, from what I've seen of them this season, you know, they beat Swansea last week 5 0. You know, Swansea haven't been great at all, so I wouldn't judge anything from that performance. If they can show a little bit more consistency, I mean, you know, you look at it overall, unbeaten up until uh, that Chelsea game, but they weren't great, Dave. They weren't great to watch. They weren't creating chances. They weren't um, taking chances. So I just think there's a lot of improvement to come from Tottenham. Now, whether or not we'll see that this season, I don't know. But but if they get some of that improvement, they're only four points off second. Right yeah. now, the odds on Tottenham playing in the Champions League next season hugely favour them doing it via the Premier League. Whereas yeah. when you talk about Manchester United, it's the complete opposite. So maybe I, yeah, maybe I'd they really that, do the, need to abandon the Europa League. Yeah, I know, I, I, I know what you're saying, and I totally take your point on that one anyway, but... I don't think they're as good as Arsenal, from what I've seen this season. I don't think they're as good as City, Chelsea or Liverpool. I don't think... I I, I fancy them to finish in the top four. I fancy them to finish fourth at the start of the season. But from what I've seen now, unless they've maybe had that little bit of tiredness that set in early on this season with the, with the workload they had pre-season, whether or not that tiredness has probably gone and they're going to feel the benefit of that now through this Christmas period and into the new year, we'll see about that one. But I just... From what I've seen this season, and I'm judging them from from games I've watched, and I've watched I've watched every one of the top side, top four sides, probably two or three times at least this season. Tottenham are probably the least likely. I think they've actually been playing a lot worse than Man United this season. Yet United mm. find themselves so many points behind them. So, from what I've seen, I don't think they're going to do that, Dave. So that's what I mean. I think the Europa League might be a good chance for them to win a European trophy. I still I still agree with you. I don't. I think it's a lot easier to get in the Champions League from the position they're in now and from the Premier League, but. I just think that that might be that might be the, the, the only way in because I, I just don't I don't think they're going to get there and I think they'll fall short. It could be a really interesting few days for Tottenham because if they were to get away from Old Trafford with a win at the weekend, they know that Arsenal have to go to Everton during the, the on Saturday or sorry on Tuesday night, and that Arsenal yeah. have to take on City on Sunday week. So they could really be ahead of Arsenal by the in nine days' time. But that's a, a huge number of ifs, buts and maybes. That game, Arsenal-City, is actually live and off the ball on Sunday week. You're with us that day, aren't you? You're with myself and yourself at the Etihad Stadium on Sunday week, that's as far it. as I know. Yes, that are, that yes. really is something to look forward to. We have Liverpool live as well on Sunday afternoon. They are hosting West Ham. And then on Wednesday, they visit Middlesbrough. 
So you would certainly expect Liverpool to um, probably pick up six points there? Yeah, you would. I mean, we've, we've, we've looked at Liverpool. We said it a few weeks ago, didn't we? we I, I expected Liverpool to probably go on and win every game. Maybe six, seven weeks ago we said that, to win every game. Southampton was the one we looked at maybe with the run of fixtures um, up to Christmas time and meaning that, that, that I thought they would have dropped points and it, or potential to drop points. I didn't see the Bournemouth game. Probably should have won the Bournemouth game. But for, but for bad goalkeeping, they probably would have done. But yeah, I, I think it is leading up to the Merseyside derby. I think that'll be the trickiest fixture now between now and Christmas for for uh, for Everton. Uh, sorry, for Liverpool. Are they looking like a side that are going to be able to dismiss what happened last weekend, or well, will that have well, some sort of a long-standing effect on them? Do you know what, Dave? We'll probably see that in the first twenty minutes of the game uh, on Sunday. You know, if West Ham come out sitting deep, which I probably think they will do, West Ham will probably sit in against them because of the, the run that they're on themselves. But I think Liverpool, the way that they have been playing, the way they've been creating chances, I think they'll win the match. And if if they start well and get the crowd up in the first 20 minutes and get a good win, then it puts everything to bed from last week. But if they don't get a win, then that's when it will affect them perhaps two or three games um, down the line. But I think they'll beat West Ham just from how they've been playing dead. I, mean, I just think they've got to maybe address this keeper issue. Karius is not as good as Mignolet, clearly not as good as Mignolet. He's, it looks to me like he's not able to handle the pressure as well that's been coming his way when he's been under pressure from teams putting crosses in on top of him. He doesn't look comfortable on crosses. His kicking's not been great, considering what we've been told how good he is with his feet. And shot stopping, as we clearly saw last week against Bournemouth, is poor as well. Mignolet is a better goalkeeper than him, albeit I'm not a big fan of Mignolet, but he's a better keeper than him, and I think he's got to, he's got to put Mignolet back in. Again, off the top of my head, I'm trying to think of the last side that won the Premier League without a genuine world-class yeah. goalkeeper. Now, I don't know, is Casper Schmeichel in that bracket? Maybe it's as recent as last season. He's a really good goalkeeper, but do you put him in the top 10 keepers in the world? I, 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 I'm I'd not sure. I'd probably put him ahead of Carius, Dave. I'd put him oh, ahead yeah. of Carius. Oh, well, I, I think I'd, most would, yeah. Claudio Bravo too. But I guess the question is, can you win the Premier League? without a really top-class, world-class goalkeeper. A, a Van der Sar, a, a David De Gea, um, a Peter Cech, those kind of guys. Probably evidence suggests no. You know, if you're looking at percentage-wise, it would, you would have to say, no, you need a top-class keeper. I think it just breeds confidence throughout the side, Dave. I think you know, you've, you've watched enough games over the years, Dave, as well, if you've, yourself. You've commentated on enough. When a keeper... He's called upon and, he, and, he, and he's confident coming, taking crosses, whether or not he's having to, to make saves or not. Coming and commanding his area, commanding his back four, the confidence stretches throughout the side, no matter, no matter who he is. So, Is that Mignolet, though? Like Liverpool, well, some Liverpool fans will listen to you here and they'll be appalled at the prospect of Mignolet coming back into the team this far Dave, into the season. Better, and then what does it do to Karius. the confidence of Karius? No, so you've told Mignolet, you're not good enough to be the Liverpool goalkeeper. There, the reason being, I had to go out and sign uh, an unproven German keeper in the summer. Now I think you, And now I believe he, him not to be good enough. So suddenly, Simon Mignolet, I do think you are our number one. I mean, neither goalkeeper surely would be in a place mentally to be... The, the hero that they're going to need potentially to win some of these crucial matches that are coming down the track in order to win their first title in 26 years. Yeah, but what's going to happen though then, Dave? What would happen then further down the line for them? So are you going to cut your nose off to spite your face and go, I'll tell you what, I've got to stick with Carries because I've signed him. He's, he simply has not been good enough, Dave. And I'm not, talk, I'm not judging him from the Bournemouth game. I'm judging him from the, what, 10, 11 games, whatever he's played this season. He hasn't been good enough and he's made mistakes in virtually every game that he's played. And, Teams play on that. Now, 
whether or not it's Mignolet or not, Mignolet, we know he has made high-profile mistakes himself, some of which perhaps cost Liverpool the title a few years ago. But you can't get away from the fact is that Mignolet is a better goalkeeper than him. And he's better from a shot-stopping aspect. Perhaps maybe not with his feet, because that's one thing he struggled on. He has struggled on crosses himself. But both keepers aren't good enough. And I just feel as though that you've got to go with the best keeper at this stage. And Mignolet is just a better goalkeeper. I know what you're saying. Mentally, all these sort of aspects might come into it. Do you expect him to make a change on Sunday? No, no, I don't I don't expect him to. I think he'll stick with Karius. He's, he's, he's declared him as his number one, so he, he'll stick with him. But how, how long does it take? Or how, how many mistakes does he have to make? Before... How far do you let it go? Yeah, before before you, you, you before you actually make that decision and say, I tell you what, I should have made this decision four or five weeks ago. Liverpool could be that out of the title race by that stage. Right, the other title contender, and there certainly are contenders, given that they lead the stands at the moment. That we have live and off the ball Sunday midday kick off at Sanford Bridge. Stephen Kenny and Bernard O'Toole. It's Chelsea hosting West Brom. West Brom actually one of the form teams in the Premier League at the moment. They're only in seventh place, a point behind Manchester United, who are sixth. But yeah. I mean, look, you'd, you'd expect Chelsea to win this game. But the form they're showing is incredible. The run of wins they're on is incredible. The lack of goals that they're conceding, just one in their last eight. But yeah. are they? Have they been that good? Were they blessed last weekend? Were they blessed to just be one down against Tottenham the previous weekend? <sighs> well. Well, not necessarily, because you look at it on the on the fact is that Tony Pulis has built his he's got a reputation of, of having those clean sheets, hasn't he? Whether it's nil nil, one nil wins, whatever it will be, that's how he's done it. So it doesn't just it's not luck with what. No, they're I mean doing. I'm talking from a Chelsea point of view, where they blessed oh, against sorry. City, and sorry. and to only be a goal down against Tottenham when when they eventually came back and ran Tottenham yeah, off sorry, it in the second sorry, half. Yeah. But... Well, yeah, I think they probably yeah I probably agree with that from the Chelsea to, uh, sorry from the Tottenham sort of side of it. Tottenham were well on top against them. You know, perhaps could have been more up. The great goal from from Ericsson in that game, and they probably could have been. Yeah, I probably agree with that. And maybe last week, the City game, City perhaps could have been. Well, I thought David Luiz should have been sent off anyway. I, you know, regardless of anything, I think they were, they got away with that one. I think on the off the back of that one as well, I think that they could, perhaps could have been two or three one down. Uh, of course, with the Aguero miss and the De Bruyne miss. And then Chelsea just did what Chelsea do this season. They've been grinding some good results out when not necessarily playing well. And I don't know. I I do think though there's a lot from them though, Dave. You know, they've got the ability to sit in whether they're going, whether they're going in that back five way when they're defending more when they're defending when they when they're going on the attack. They, they, you know, the, the two wing backs play so high. I think they are quite adventurous. So yes, I understand that. I take your point on that, but I do think that Chelsea have been good value for this run that they're on at the yeah. moment because they've been playing some superb stuff. I'll put it to and you, got... almost like a leave insert uh, question. Diego, if Diego Costa picks up an injury of any consequence, yeah. that Chelsea have no chance of winning the title? Yes, I'd agree with that. I think he's the key player. And you, you know what I think of him. I think he's, I think he's the best striker around. I, I love watching him. I think he brings so much to the team. I think that you know the, the hamstring trouble that he had when he first went into Chelsea and that was hampering him even last season, that looks to have cleared up. They'll be desperate to keep him fit. I'm, I'm sure that the medical team are looking at him, and I'm sure the instructions from the manager and the and the coaching staff is make sure he is right, make sure he's 100% every single week. And if there's any sort of chance, you know, maybe FA Cup games to give him a rest, free time, whatever it will be, give him that rest. Make sure that he is right because he's a player that's. He is, you know, Hazard's great. He's been fantastic for them. Matic, who's been playing really well through this run, and uh, Kante, yeah, excellent. Don't get me wrong, but the key element of Chelsea's side is Diego Costa. He's the one who, who makes them tick and gets the best out of the rest of the players.
Yeah, it just shows how important he is that that would seem to be the general consensus. You lose him and maybe you lose all hope of winning the championship but you certainly yeah. put yourself in an awful position in terms of trying to win that I mean, championship. Th- 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 there's the same for a few clubs, aren't there? We, we spoke about Tottenham earlier on. If they lost Harry Kane for a, a substantial time, you can't see Tottenham sustaining any sort of top four push, can you? you show, it shows what, what strikers do for the side as well and how key he is for them. But Diego Costa brings so much to... To, to, to Chelsea from an individual point of view. City's more about more players. I think even Liverpool, to an extent, they're about three or four players. I know Coutinho is a big loss to them, but they still have players who can be creative. Whereas Costa just gives them that one element through through the middle that not many other strikers around, or if, if any, can do what he does. There's probably only maybe Luis Suarez maybe in the in the world that can actually play like him and do what he does. So there's very few strikers around that, that do what Diego Costa does. And is is um, Sergio Aguero on a par in terms of his importance to Manchester City? And if you if you believe that, how crucial potentially will the next month be when they're missing him for four games? Uh, well, yeah, I think. I mean, they've probably again. I'll go back to the point. They probably proved without Aguero this season when he was suspended that they can still actually play play well without him. They can still create chances because it's not necessarily about that one player, but. I take your point that it's a huge miss for them, a huge loss for them. It was, a, I mean, it's a ridiculous challenge, wasn't it? But Crazy stuff. he is, he's a big, he's a big. We know what he's, we know what what player he is. We know what, exactly what he brings to City. You know the amount of times where you watch City, and at times, does it become predictable? Does it become a side that don't look great to watch? I, that's what I think sometimes watching City for all the good play at times and for all the you know technically gifted players. A lot of the times, if teams sit off them they do become a little bit predictable. When they've got Aguero in the side, Aguero gives them that little bit of unpredictability and that's why they, that's why we're desperate to get him back right. Yeah, City are in action Saturday afternoon. They are at Leicester, a Leicester side desperate for any kind of a point. And then on their midweek game, City are hosting Watford. So overall, you'd probably expect them to take six points from those two games. The... Yeah. Um, the, the run of games that all these teams have come up is going to be very interesting, but overall, who do you expect to be top of the table once we get through the Christmas period? And the odds always favour the side top of the table coming into the Christmas, coming out of Christmas. Do you still yeah. expect it to be Chelsea? I, will, I, I thought Liverpool a couple of weeks ago. That Maybe I, I go back to the point before that, that you suggested as well. We'll see how Liverpool are after, after the Bournemouth loss over the next week or two. I think Liverpool have got a favourable run of games until they play City at the new year. I mean, the Merseyside derby will be a tricky game for them because that's one of those that can go either way. Uh, what's that? A week on Monday, isn't it, that game? So yeah. that'll be that'll be a tricky one for them. But uh, yeah, I think Chelsea have got games that they'll win. I think Chelsea, Chelsea are a side that's right-banging form. And I, I, I just think this one might be tighter than most years. I know we, we say that, you know, I'm, I'm actually hoping for it this year. I'm hoping for a really tight running towards the end of the season. We're hitting March, April time, and we've got two or three teams with a really good chance of winning the Premier League. That's what I'm hoping for for this year. But I think Chelsea will will probably take some stopping if they keep everybody fit. Yeah, and we barely mentioned Arsenal, who managed to win their Champions League group during the week. But yeah. you know they're probably going to end up playing Bayern Munich or Real Madrid in the last sixteen. Yeah, <laughs> such is the way the draw goes. When Arsenal finish second, they tend to get the big guns, and it might work the same now that they've actually topped their group. They are playing on Tuesday away to Everton. That'll be a difficult game for them. They host Stoke yeah. on Saturday. But as we said, they're visiting Man City on Sunday week, and that's live and off the ball. Before we get into any other business, because I know there's a little story on Mario Balotelli that you want to bring up. Sunderland and David Moyes, they have a massive game tomorrow because they're visiting Swansea. 
the bottom yeah. two. It's an absolutely crucial game. And they're playing that game in the knowledge that they have to take on Chelsea next up. So with three wins out of four, life up there just must be so different. The atmosphere around the place must be markedly different. Yeah, totally. And they're going against a side who they they would probably prefer this game away, wouldn't they, Swansea? They're playing at home. I mean, they had a great win last time out. That was against Palace, wasn't it, when they beat Palace uh, at home? But there's going to be a lot of pressure on them, particularly after that Tottenham loss last week on Swansea. I think David Moyes has now got a side that's playing for him. They look like they've, they're starting to take on board exactly what he's trying to get across to the team. You've got Jermaine Defoe, who's been great. Jordan Pickford in goal has been outstanding for them as well recently. So they've got players banging form. I think, I, you know what, I think it's a, a draw's not a bad result for Sunderland here as well. Keep that run ticking over. I think that's what they would want. But there's a real chance here for Sunderland to go and beat Swansea and then try to really kick on and get clear of the bottom three places because that's got to be the ultimate goal for them. Just wanted to say one thing, sorry, though, Dave, as well. I wanted to mention the Alexis Sanchez thing as well and, and Meza Ozil yeah. reading the thing this week. 18 months left on the contract. Now, this is a, it's a tricky one for Wenger at the moment as well. What what are they going to do regarding Wenger's future? Is Wenger going to stay on beyond this season? I, I, I don't know. But if you're Arsenal, I think that you just you nail this contract down or those two contracts down as quickly as possible. Get it done. Take take away any doubt that, that, that they want to move anywhere else. Get the deal done. And I think it just it will make everything so much easier for, for Arsenal towards the end of this season. Because you know what's going to happen? If this contract contract isn't sorted before the end of the season or even up to around Christmas time, this this question will constantly be getting asked of those two players, the manager, the rest of the players. How how key are these two for you? And I think that's where doubt could set into Arsenal. That 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 would be, be a major worry, I think, if you're an Arsenal fan, I think, with those two. But given the history of Arsenal in these types of situations, Kevin... Arsenal fans will be wondering how do they persistently find themselves in a position where their their star players find themselves in the last 18 months of their contract. This is how they lost Nasri, it's how they lost Fabregas. Yeah. It's happened so many times over the years. And here we are, the two comfortably the two best players in the squad and they're into the last 18 months. I, I, I do I find it amazing. You know, particularly after after last season you would have said to you would have said to them at the end of the season get the deals tied down, done and dusted. I think they're both 28 now, 27, 28, Dave. I think the contracts are up when they're 29. So get the deal done. Get the deals done. The 29, they've still got three or four more good years left in them. Just get them done. They keep everything happy. Keep the continuity of the, of the squad. Keep keep the squad happy. Because if the, if one one or both those players leave, how how they're irreplaceable really for Arsenal. I do think that. They've got no players of the type within the squad. They've got... Mesut Ozil is, is top class. We saw that midweek in the Champions League again. I just can't... I, I, Dave, in answer to your question, I don't know how they've got themselves into this position because logic tells you, get a deal done early. Keep the players happy. Keep keep your best players happy in particular. They've got a lot of... Homo, uh, they've got a harmonious atmosphere at the club now. Do it. Get it done and dusted. Should have been done months ago, I feel. But the longer it drags on, the easier it is then for a player to talk to other clubs, talk to... I mean, there was even talk this week of Alexis Sanchez going to China, being offered half a million pounds a week. You know, they're, they're the sort of figures that turn your head, no matter no matter how much money you're earning. So get the get it done, keep them happy, give them guarantees going forward, and then everything else is it, everything else takes care of itself. I don't understand why it's not been done. Okay, we're going to wrap things up with uh, a little story about Mario Balotelli, Balotelli, and there was a lot of talk maybe in the last certainly the build-up to the last two or three weeks, about what a brilliant season he was having with Nice. They were top of the league on standings, and he had scored, what was it, seven goals in his first ten games. Yeah. But it's 
not quite going as well now. I'm looking at his disciplinary record. He's picked up five yellow cards and a red in his last six matches. And he's yes. only got scored twice in those games. And yes. now we're hearing about some of the, the finer details and the small print of the contract that he signed with Nice. One or two aspects of it are pretty peculiar. No, it was, one with, it was with Liverpool actually. There, it was, it was with Liverpool. The Liverpool. Oh, it was deal at Anfield, it's, right? His deal, his deal at Anfield. So it's been it's been disclosed this week. Now, again, it's I found it I found it amazing when I was reading it. It was if he has if he has more than two sending offs for I think it was for uh, ungentlemanly conduct, violent conduct, whatever it is, a season. Then he doesn't receive a bonus. So, so essentially, what he needs he needs to have. One or or no sendings off for violent conduct a season. I think that's right. I think that's how it's worded. It might even be two or less, uh, and he receives a million pound bonus from the club just for basically behaving himself. Now, the, the the suggestion was that maybe reading into it a little bit more, it could have been some sort of um, image right uh, clause within the contract, some sort of way to maybe take money offshore. I, I don't know. I don't know the ins and outs of it, but I found it bizarre. I've never heard any sort of clause. We've all heard clauses. If you get 15 goals a season, if you, you know, get or, you know, keep, like, keep 10 clean sheets a yeah. season, he gets some sort of bonuses. But a bonus for, for actually behaving yourself, it's just absolute ludicrous. And it was I, a risky was, move at the time. They paid £16 million for him. If you're in a position where you and your legal team and the hierarchy <laughs> of the club are thinking of these types of clauses, surely that's a red flag as to whether or not you should actually be bringing this guy to the club. Well, exactly. Dave, who, who, who would actually make that up, though? Who would make up that sort of clause in a contract? Do you know what we imagine? need, lads? What we need in this contract is this. Yeah, can you imagine it? Can you imagine? And, and say what, Mario? Maybe his agent came here. up with it. Yeah, w- would you would you be happy signing this then, Mario? Ah, yeah, yeah, I'll behave myself. I might, I might, I might just settle for one headbutt this season or one, one, one chance of giving the lad a little crack on the back of the head. Everything else, I'll be fine. It, I just, find, I find it bizarre, madness. And and when it gets out, it makes clubs look foolish. It makes agents look foolish. It does. It it doesn't look good on any party. I don't. I don't feel. That, that this sort of thing can actually be in someone's contract that he's that he's agreeing this deal. It's madness. I think it's madness. And it, and like I'd like to see now the ins and outs of maybe you know a Louis Suarez contract or whatever it would be. You know some of the players that have had history of uh, of being in trouble. And I'd, I'd just love to see it. I'd love to see some of the other contracts clauses now to see what the story would be with them. Yeah, well, they're still top Nice. So, and yeah. like as I say, we don't know if he has these kind of contract clauses in his current contract with Nice, yeah. but he did make his return from injury during the week in the Europa League against Krasnodar. He hadn't played in the previous month, and he's coming back into a team that are leading the French league standings by three points. So, who knows? He's already picked up six yellows and a red this season. He's still a fascinating character. I think we'll leave it there. There's so much that we're going to have to talk about in the weeks to come because there are so many games. You're at Anfield this Sunday, and you're not with us, but you are going to be at Anfield. I'll be at Anfield, yeah. I might, I might get to talk to Nathan at some stage and I'm there, yes. Yeah, so that'll, that'll be good fun. And what sort of a schedule have you game-wise then? You know, we know you're with us Sunday week. I yeah, guess I mean, you're, you're, it's I non-stop mean, now. Yeah, it'd be, it'd be non-stop for everyone. I'm at Palace actually next week, Palace and Man United next Wednesday, so um, I look forward to that one next Wednesday night, which will be a cracker. And then other than that, really, I'm just, uh, I'll be over in studio with you guys. Cool. Looking forward to it. Well, listen, have a good weekend. Um, you'll be back in the presenter's chair next time out. I will be. I will be. Yeah. Uh, hopefully. Well, if, if I can do equally as good a job as you, Dave, I'll be happy with that. Well, you can only dare to dream, Keller. You can only dare I to know, dream. I know. I know. That's well, what I do. I, I look up to you, Dave. Do you know what I mean? You're like me. You're like me hero now. You, John Malloy, Gilroy. 
even Nathan Murphy. I'm looking up to Nathan Murphy. That now that's as bad as it gets. Yeah, you probably need to reassess your life and reassess yes. your goals. And I do, I do that. I I, I assess myself every day. Dave, you know that. <laughs> Let's. This is going down a route I'm not comfortable yeah. with. Have a good weekend, Kev. We'll chat to you next week. Good man. Cheers, Dave. I'm sorry, you can sit there and look and play with all your silly machines as much as you like. What a stop! Josh from Ben! Jordan Ben! Jordan Ben! I mean, that sort of stuff, we're, it, it's been, we're, be, we're bigger than that. That interview is just like the performance, flat. No. What, what do you want him to do? Just fall at Gabriel's feet crying? I mean, well, he's... Say something... We, we were doing what we'd done for 20 years, relaxing a nervous studio guest in the same way that you would in, in these conditions, um, and thought no more of it. I